Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 4 of the Chronicles of Clan Mason. As always, I do hope you've been enjoying this little retelling of the tale that I wrote as a kind of interim between Hybrid Wars and the Enemy of My Enemy. And as always, I do hope you'll like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can. And if you'll leave me feedback via things like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. I always appreciated hearing your thoughts and views on these things, and I love to read them just to see what you're thinking. And if you do go over to ghostnobody.com, check out Storm Rider. You know, if big dragoness girls, orcs and elves, and fantasy and magic are all your sort of thing, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. And there's a spattering of human interspecies romance thrown in for good measure. And also, while at ghostnobody.com, you can pop over to the ghostly link section. Check out Mortis, either on Smashwords or on Amazon. Though if you do go to Smashwords, it's currently on 50% off sale. Only till the 11th of March. So hurry up, pick yourself up a copy. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. Bringing in unlikely interspecies romance stories to you good people. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. That's all the rights of their own studios. This is just fan fiction. I'll just keep the huntresses to myself. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 4. The Angels of Mercy Holy shit, look at this place. It's like the Garden of fucking Eden. Now all we need is a gorgeous naked women, woman walking around wearing a fid leaf, and I'll be all set. Cortez said as he stood looking around the huge forest. Jack laughed as he watched people running around picking out plots of where they wanted their house to go and where it was going to be built. I wouldn't say that too loud, unless you want to see a load of Yajuta running around wearing nothing but fig leaves, he said with a laugh, and Tick purred, siding up behind Jack and slipping her huge arms around her male and pulling him back against her possessively. Would you like to see me in nothing but a fig leaf, my male? She growled softly, tickling the side of his head with her mandibles. Now that, you think, that I think about it, I think I'd prefer you without the leaf. Jack said playfully, making Tick growl even louder, and Cortez couldn't help but chuckle, causing Tick to shoot him a sour glance. Something funny, Ooman? she asked, and Jack saw a glimmer of fear pass through Cortez's eyes. Then he drew himself up and smiled back at her. No, actually I was thinking that given the armour some of you girls wear, you wouldn't actually need fig leaves. And you guys do have the market on fishnet stockings pretty much cornered. He said, and Tick shot him a deep grin that obviously confirmed that something her husband had said to her. Suddenly there was a crack to their right, and they all turned to find a xenomorph queen that Cortez began calling Zara, after she began following him around like a giant lost puppy. And as a joke, he told her that if she was going to be around him all the time, he was going to give her a name. He'd called her Zara because he thought, he thought that she looked like a Zara, and now it had stuck. And so everyone now called her Zara. She was currently tearing the branch off a tree with her long tail. And they all watched in confusion as she brought it down and snapped off a smaller limb, discarding the larger one, and proceeded to hold the smaller one in front of herself at crotch height. And turning towards Cortez, she appeared to strike a pose, cocking her large hips. She actually looked like she was trying to blow him a kiss with her chest arms and in her mouth. Jack just grinned and patted Cortez on the shoulder. See? Told you so. 
he said, and Cortez swallowed hard. As Jack turned to go, Cortez grabbed his arm and looked at him with a pleading look. Um, I, uh, think she has a thing for me, Jack. She insists on carrying me around like a child. How do I deal with this? He asked in a whisper as they both looked at Zara, who had put the branch down and I was helping her out move some heavy equipment around. Jack turned to him and smiled. Well, simply put, you have two choices the way I see it. You can either tell her you're not interested, and I suggest very gently tell her that she could continue her search for someone who'd reciprocate her feelings, or you could embrace that which we both know you feel and just go with it, and let her show you a love that you've never even dared to dream possible. Jack said, Cortez's mouth just dropped open. How, how did you... The dream warrior thing, Cortez said, and Jack grinned and nodded. Don't even need to delve into your memories to see it, don't you? Your aura pulses like a drumbeat when you look at her. She both scares and excites you at the same time, and you don't know what to make of it, do you? You wonder to yourself, how could such a thing be possible, that you could look at something so totally different and alien to yourself... It feels attraction. You feel just as alien and as scary to you as well, doesn't it? He said. Cortez's mouth dropped open to rebuke him, but then he closed it and sighed heavily. He nodded. Yeah, she excites the fuck out of me. Scares the living fucking daylight out of me as well. I mean, she's so utterly different from me. How the... How can she even look at me like that? Jack nodded. Would it surprise you to know that those exact same thoughts went through my head when I found myself looking at Tick? Jack said and Cortez raised an eyebrow at him. As did I. Humans are considered a prey species to my kind. It is a cardinal sin to consider what we did, and very, very routinely do. But I know pure love when I feel it, and this woman right here stood for me and proved his heart's pure truth to me. So I strive every day to prove the truth of mine to him. His love is my greatest treasure and trophy, and it gave my heart's truest joys in the form of be our beloved cubs. But with him, I discovered what my heart had ached for my entire life. A love I had never imagined. Love comes in all shapes and sizes and flavours. I found out to my pure joy. So give her a chance, Cortez. You will not be disappointed. If there is one thing that I have learned, is to trust that beautiful male of mine. When it comes to matters of the heart, he's always right. He smells love a mile off. So give the big girl a chance. I'm willing to bet that with her, you will see and feel things you never dared to even believe possible, Tick said, stroking Jack's chest. Cortez just couldn't believe what they both said. Now as he watched the huge queen lifting barrels up like they were paperweights, he saw a glance back at him to see if he was watching, and then when she saw that he was, she proceeded to pick them another three of them up and hold them away like they weighed nothing, even though each of one of them was about a hundred kilos in weight. Tick tapped his arm and Cortez glanced at her. She's trying to impress you. I might not be an expert on xeno-female body language, but I know strong girls, and strong girls love to show off their strength for the one they like. 
It shows that they will be both a good protector of them and any potential family they may have. I do it for my Ack all the time, and he loves it, Tick said, and Jack chuckled softly and nodded, showing that she was spot on. She's currently carrying 600 kilos worth of water. So, yeah, I think it's safe to say I'm impressed. She's basically carrying around a small car like it's nothing, he said, watching the huge Xeno Queen carrying the water barrels around. So what are you waiting for? Go talk to her. You've had your Xeno kiss, right? Jack said, and he nodded, blushing as he remembered Zara and Elbering the other queens out of the way when he came to the front of the line for his dose of royal jelly that would allow him to communicate so that she could be the one to give him the kiss. And boy, it had been an intense experience, having her clamp his head in those huge hands of hers before pushing that smaller mouth of hers halfway down his throat to inject the jelly. And now he could hear her in his head. He got the feeling that he should have been disgusted by the experience, but somehow he just wasn't. He didn't really know what made him really feel like that. But then, was it really wrong to like it? The whole world was being built on the premise that was wonderful, but anywhere else would just seem like a true fantasy, a true and utter equality. No one any different and treated any differently from anyone else. Everyone just the same. And all loves and relationships welcome here. It seems like some sort of utopian pipe dream to him. But somehow, he could already see it beginning to blossom all around him. And they were only days into this. Hell, only a few days ago they were in, in hell, fighting for their very lives. Now, here they were on a planet that looked like a garden of fucking Eden. And all around him, love of every shape and kind seemed to be blossoming. But then... How does one court a xenomorph queen exactly? Wasn't like he could take her to his dinner in a movie or a drive through now was it? Plus, what in the name of hell would she actually get out of having a relationship exactly? Surely they weren't compatible, given their size differences. She was built like a walking, talking tank on legs. And while he wasn't exactly small by human standards... To her, it would be like an elephant dating a mouse. Zara seemed to turn to see if he was still watching her. Which, when you thought about it, how could he not really? She had this odd, regal beauty to her. She was so powerful, so large, so completely alien. But at the same time, she had this odd grace about her. And the way she carried herself with such composure and dignity when she was walking around. Holding her higher head crest. It wasn't hard to see why they were called queens, really. With the shape of her head actually looked like she was wearing a crown. Then there was her sense of humour. He'd never imagined a xenomorph queen as anything other than shit Japan scary, really. Funny, he'd never entered the part of his brain that made observations on them before. But then, moments ago, when she'd snapped the branch tree branch off and used it to pretend to be Eve while blowing him a kiss, she just seemed to love to tease him, just to watch him turn berry red, which annoyed him to no end because he hated being so easily embarrassed. But he'd been this way ever since he was a kid, and it seemed to entertain her endlessly. Though he had to admit, 
Her laughing was be way better than him uh, trying to cocoon him and use her face huggers on him. Or just killing him outright, which she could easily do with a simple flick of that deadly tail of hers. Suddenly a huge hand was planted in the centre of his back and he was propelled forward, causing him to stumble. Quit bloody stalling and go talk to a Cortez. Or I'm going to shout stop trying to look under Zara's tail very loudly, Tick said with an evil grin on her mand mandibles. Cortez's mouth fell open and he looked at Jack Raid, but he was sniggering behind his hand. You're both fucking evil, you know that, right? He said, glaring at them both, and they just grinned back at him. He sighed and turned and began to walk down the hill towards her. He had absolutely no idea what he was going to say to her when he got there. How exactly do you make small talk with a xenomorph queen? It wasn't like you could just talk about football or the weather with them, was it? So what exactly do you say? As he got close to her, she was busily stacking barrels that she'd been carrying around, and she hadn't noticed him. But before he could open his mouth, a word of loud voice bellowed out behind him somewhere. Cortez! Stop trying to peek under Zara's tail! And he just had time to see Jack and Tick legging it back towards their house, laughing their asses off as they ran. Honestly, for mighty warriors and clan leaders, they were like school kids for the pranks that they played half the time. Suddenly he felt a blast of hot, humid breath wash over the back of his head and he swallowed hard. Slowly he turned his head and found himself face to face with a huge Xena queen. She must have whirled around when she'd heard the shout. At exactly the same time he'd done so and seen Jack and Tick running away laughing. Suddenly he had the feeling of getting caught trying to peek up a girl's skirt. Only this girl was the living embodiment of the word death. I, I wasn't trying to look under your tail, Zara, I swear. Those two are just playing another bloody prank, he stammered, looking up into the seemingly eyeless face. Zara tilted her large head like a quizzical dog. And yet here you are, right behind me when I'm unaware of your approach. I find that very suspect, Zara said in that oddly silk-smooth and highly feminine voice of hers that whispered through his mind, caressing it like silken threads that had been passed through his mind. Suddenly the huge tail of hers slid around her and danced like a giant cobra waiting to strike next to him. Cortez had been blushing, but now upon seeing this display of deadly form, he felt the colour utterly drain from his face. As kind as seemingly gentle as she was, it didn't take much to remind you that she was truly a devastating creature when she wanted to be. I was just coming to talk to you, I swear. I wasn't peeping on you. I would never do that. Cortez summoned the strength to say, and Zara moved forward in a single step, making Cortez stumble backwards and fall onto his butt as he tripped over an exposed root, wincing in pain as he did but now he found himself looking up at the huge Zeno looming over him. Why not? Do you believe there's nothing under my tail worth seeing with those pretty human eyes of yours? Zara asked in an oddly amused voice. How in the name of hell do you even answer a question like that? If he said no, then he'd offend her. And if he said yes, he was essentially as good as admitting to trying to peep under her tail. She leaned down low now, placing her long arms down on the floor like a dog settling itself down on all fours, and she looked surprisingly comfortable in this position. 
It was only then that Cortez realised that both her hips and spine were aligned to allow her to use her arms as a second set of legs if she wished to. But it also allowed us to lower her head so essentially filled his vision while she waited for her answer. A slight tap on his back from her long joint tail jolted him back to reality as his mind raced for an answer. I'm waiting, little human, she said softly. I, 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 Cortez stammered before his saviour emerged from the most likely of places. Oh, stop teasing him, sister. Can't you see you're scaring the poor boy half to death? Another silk-smooth voice said, and Zara turned her huge crested head to look at the second queen that emerged from the forest, carrying a huge stack of freshly cut logs in both her arms and her tail. Cortez recognised this one as the Queen Yoshi called Citrus. Zara laughed heartily. It's not my fault he turned such wonderful colours when he's embarrassed now, is it? She replied. Red means embarrassed. White means scared to death. It happens because their blood returns to their main organs to help them to run if they need to. Citrus said with a soft hiss and Zara turned her head curiously and then looked at him again. I thought I smelled something odd. So this is the human fear scent, Zara said curiously, and Citrus nodded. I could smell it halfway into the forest. He must be scared out of his mind, poor thing. You'll never get a mate if you make them fear you, Citrus said, this time sounding like she was scolding her, and Zara lowered her head and looked back at Cortez. Is this true? Do you fear me? Do you fear that I would actually hurt you? She asked, and now Cortez found himself stuck with another unanswerable question. But given that these creatures could reach into your thoughts if they wanted to communicate, he didn't know if they could read his mind or not. Cortez decided that lying to her would probably make things worse, so he decided to tell the truth. Yes, he said in an ashamed-sounding voice. Zara slowly retreated back from him, moving back into a hunched squat. She held her head low as refusing to look at him. You need to get better at reading their body language, sister, and you need to remember they are not like us. They are not as hardy as we are. They are fragile. Frightening them is not a good way to get them to like you, Citrus scolded her. Zara looked at her. I wasn't trying to frighten him. I was just playing. I was trying to tease him. I didn't truly mean to frighten him, Zara said, his sad voice sounding ashamed. But before Citrus could respond, Zara jumped up and using those huge limbs of hers to good effect as well, she ran off into the forest, leaving both Citrus and Cortez standing there in surprise. Fuck, I didn't mean to offend her. Cortez said softly, and Citrus turned her head to look at him, and she shook her head. You did not nothing wrong. She needs to learn to how to act around your kind. If she wishes, as she says, to find a human mate, she needs to realise that she could not do this through intimidation and fear. She's been strictly forbidden by Jack and Tick, and she must learn this, or she will wind up being expelled from this world. She must not force, Citrus said sternly. But she wasn't trying to force me. She was only teasing me because of what Jack and Tick did. 
Cortez protested, standing up and dusting himself off as Citrus cocked her head curiously. Oh, and what did they do? she asked. She was carrying water barrels and Tick said she was showing off her strength trying to impress me. She told me to come down here and talk to her, but honestly I didn't have a clue what to say. But she kind of put me in a bind. So I was coming down here and when I got close to her, Tick yelled Cortez stopped trying to peek under Zara's tail and then bloody ran off. When I turn around, she's right behind me. Well, she kind of decided to run with it, I guess, and kind of put me on the spot. I suppose I kind of just freaked out, because one second I'm just standing there, the next I got this huge Xeno Queen right in my face, standing over and me looking all big and strong and dangerous. I didn't know what to do or what to say. I got scared, he said, sounding as ashamed as he felt. Sictress picked up on this, and putting her logs down, she walked over and put her huge hand on his shoulder with surprising gentleness. I think I see what happened. But you shouldn't be ashamed of being scared, Cortez. My kind are very intimidating at best, and Zara needs to remember this. So you shouldn't be ashamed of your instincts. They evolved to keep you safe, and they're as hardwired into you as our predatory ones in, are into us. If she wants to claim you as a mate, and she, as she hopes to do so, she needs to learn to respect you, Citrus said. And that's when it hit Cortez like a hard slap. She really did like him in that way. She truly wants me as a mate? Cortez asked, looking up at the huge queen standing next to him, and Citrus looked at him in surprise. Yes, she finds you truly enchanting. She wishes to impress you and to make you interested in her over all the huntresses that are vying for your attention as well, Citrus said, and Cortez's mouth dropped open and it hit him how truly clueless and oblivious he actually was. Jesus, I'm so blind. Thank you, Citrus. I have to go and find Zara and apologise to her, he said, and suddenly Citrus gripped his shoulder and she, he looked at her. She shook her large head. No. You shouldn't apologise to her. You did nothing wrong, she said, and Cortez shook his head. Maybe not, but I should have trusted her and I didn't. At the back of my mind, I was scared that she was generally going to hurt me. I should have realised that she was only playing with me, but I didn't. I let my fear rule me and she doesn't deserve that, Cortez said, turning to look at the forest where she'd run off to. Citrus drew her face up into a toothy grin, which was kind of endearing and disturbing at the same time. You're a good male, Cortez. I can see why she likes you so much. First she wrongs you, and the first thing you worry about is her feelings, Citrus said. Cortez smiled awkwardly and then set off into the forest after the runaway Zeno Queen. Surprisingly enough, she wasn't exactly that hard to track, and you... Usually they could move through the landscape like ghosts. But Zara had left quite a trail in her wake, which kind of made him feel even worse. It didn't take him long to find her. She'd made her way to a spot about a kilometre from the camp. It was one of the spots that they were using to collect fresh water to be brought back for purification. A huge waterfall and a pool set into the base of one of the hills. She was sat currently on top of a rock directly in the middle of a large deep pool. She sat with her head resting upon her drawn-up knees and her tail coiled around herself. 
She looked so miserable and down in the dumps. As she got closer, he could see the water running off her shiny black hide. Cortez thought about shouting out to her, but then another thought crossed his mind. He looked around and found a large rock. It was certainly warm enough for this, but he had to make sure there was no predators watching out. Then he sighed, sighed down at his own foolishness. There was a very few creatures stupid enough to try and take on a Xeno queen or come within a thousand yards of her. So hoping that she, she remained distracted enough for him to pull this off, he began to strip off. Zara sniffed softly, despite not having eyes from which tears could fall. It was little known fact that xenomorphs could actually cry. Though it was slightly different from other however species did it. But despite the differences, it was the same concept. She felt so utterly stupid and useless. She tried to be endearing and playful with that beautiful human known as Cortez, but instead she'd wound up scaring him. All she'd wanted to do was have a little fun with him, but her sister was right. She hadn't been paying proper attention to him or how he was feeling. She thought she'd been was being charming. But did she did he really see her as a monster? That's when she noticed an odd shape moving through the water. Her optical deep rich hue moving under the water and she unwrapped herself and leaned down close to the water's edge to get a proper look but as she did the creature burst out of the water and grabbed her head Zara recoiled in alarm before she could strike the creature or even cry out in alarm a very familiar face appeared in front of hers and she stayed her tail from striking just in time as it was about to pierce his she realised it was Cortez, and she realised he appeared to be naked, and the shock of that mind made her freeze up like a computer.exe file freezing up, which made it infinitely worse by him planting a kiss on her mouth. Zara froze utterly solid, like her hide had just turned entirely to stone or was flash frozen. Her heart sure as hell wasn't frozen, though dancing around her chest like a face hugger on a hot tin roof. Then, just as quickly as he started, to her sheer panic and disappointment, he stopped. She felt panicked because a voice in the back of her mind was telling her that if she let him go now, she'd never get to taste his mouth again, to feel those utterly exquisite silk-soft human lips again. She quickly gripped his shoulders in her chest arms, lifting him partially out of the water, but not all the way holding him in front of her, looking at him curiously. He was smiling at her. He had what humans seem to call a sheepish look on his face. Uh, hi, Zara. Um, sorry about the ambush ninja kiss, but I really wanted to prove a couple of things, both to myself and to you, and I, um, couldn't think of a way to do it until I saw you sat here on this rock. Um, kind of all made sense at the time. Or at least it did in my head. If I've offended you, then I'm sorry, he said, sounding nervous. What did you wish to prove to me? She asked, quickly trying to prevent him from lamenting on being upset, which she totally wasn't. I wanted to say that I was sorry for the way I reacted to you earlier. How I let my fears get the better of me. I was racking my brains for a way to not only prove to myself that I'm not scared of you. Not really. 
but that I was letting my primal being get the better of me, and I was not seeing you as the truly per beautiful person that you truly are. Yes, you're big. Yes, you're powerful. Yes, I seriously wouldn't want to be on your bad side. But, even if you being here like this proves who you really are, that you think and feel the same way we do, no different. Um, I will confess my original plan was to um, give you a little scare, just to prove to myself that you could get scared like I do. But when I saw you s sitting here looking so sad and miserable, I felt like a shit for even thinking about it. So I um, changed it to do two things. To say sorry, using a powerful action, and to prove that I think you're the most beautiful person on this world. Cortez said, and instantly Zara's heart turned into a breakdancing facehugger again, though this one seemed to have learned how to moonwalk. You, you don't think I'm a monster? You think I'm beautiful? She whispered in a soft hiss, and Cortez smiled at her, lighting up that rich olive-coloured face of his. Then, while she still held him, he craned his neck and planted another kiss on her lips sending lightning bolts of sensation rippling through her brain, exploding into smaller flurries that sent a shiver throughout her entire body, overloading her senses. How the hell did he do this to her? No being had ever made her lose control of herself like this. She had to fight for every scrap of her life that she had, for her right to continue to exist. But here, these people she was with now, she was truly free among them. They had given her her free ring to set up a hive, with only two rules. None of her children are to be born of anyone who did not volunteer for the procedure. The babies would be implanted on willing volunteers, and under anaesthetic, so they didn't have to endure the horror of being gripped by a facehugger. Which, to be fair, she could empathise with. Why anyone wouldn't want that. And then they would be transferred to one of the medical bays on the ship. When they were due, the baby would be surgically removed, sparing the life of both the birthing host and themselves, meaning for the first time that in history, Azino would not only be able to meet their beloved birthing host, but to have a relationship with them, much like a step-parent. After all, part of the birthed Zeno would have their genetic code giving them their form, and the other was that they used the local fauna that only used to small groups of each species, not to depopulate them. But other than that, they trusted her and her sisters not to harm them, or to harm this world. It might sound stupid, but to them, that meant everything. They were being shown such kindness and trust. But now, here was the truest icing on that cake, as humans said. A beautiful human being who she'd scared while trying to be flirty and playful, feeling bad for the fact that he'd got scared and trying to make it up to her, when it should be she who was apologising to him. Cortez, I'm sorry for what I did. I was trying to be playful, but sometimes I forget how I look and how big I am compared to you, and it's only natural that it would make you feel that way, she said softly and she saw him shaking his head. I know you're big, Zara. I should be aware of that by now. 
but it's just when you loomed over me like that it triggered something in the back of my brain but it makes me feel ashamed because I'm not like that I'm like I'm truly scared of you or that what you would do to me I mean if I were you skid guinea picking a cool lake ninja merman kissing your pretty self if I was because let's be honest if there's any situation that you were likely to stick that tail of yours through someone, would it be a guy bursting out of a lake and planting one on you? Yet, here I am, still talking, dangling in the air like a wet Mexican naked piñata, Cortez said, actually making her laugh. Well, that's true, and to be fair, you did come awfully close to being stuck on the end of said tail, she said, and Cortez laughed again, albeit a bit more nervous this time. That'd be a shame then. Wouldn't be able to peek at what's under it then, would I? He said, and that made her roar with laughter as she remembered what Tick had yelled that triggered this whole episode. But now here he was, being playful. What? You mean you were actually trying to peep under my tail? She asked playfully and Cortez laughed and then cocked his head to one side. Well, not at the time, but let's just say I'm getting more curious by the minute he said, setting that face-hugger in her chest free again. And this time the little fucker was learning to tap-dance. Was he just playing with her, or was he truly flirting with her? Zara decided to take a chance. She leaned in close to his face and opened her outer mouth, and with lightning speed her inner mouth shot out and snatched a kiss on his soft mouth before pushing him between his lips and burying itself in the soft, warm tunnel of his mouth. The feel and taste of his mouth and tongue all around hers were truly incredible. There was no feeling like it anywhere. And as she watched Cortez's eyelids fluttered, his arms seemed to roll back into his head. Then when they parted, the tap-dancing facehugger jumped on stage and began doing soft chew. Oh, wow. N nobody's kissed me like that before. He gasped, catching his breath and fo trying to focus his eyes on her. That makes two of us, Zara said. Even her mental voice was sounding breathless now. She saw something disrupting the edge of the water. The curiosity got the better of him, and she lifted him a little higher and instantly saw the source of the disturbance as it was revealed. And it also appeared that the beautiful human's blood was a lot more hot than the effects of the water had on him. And her smile widened and she felt her hide warm as well. I, uh, believe I kind of owe you a peek under my tail now, to, um, even the score, shall we say, she said, trying hard to tear her optical organs away from his human manhood, which was bobbing in front of her, pulsing so hard she could actually see the blood flowing through it, swelling it, readying it to perform its wonderful and beautiful duty to him. It, like her loins, currently aflame, like a match being struck in an oil-filled room. A beautiful fire spread throughout her whole being, radiating outwards from that point under her tail that was currently hid from the world, but now she pr silently prayed that he would wish to see. I want more than just a peek, Cortez said breathlessly, his eyes roaming over her face. She could smell it now, his musk, his pheromones. It was washing off him and rolling over her, 
It was lighting up every single nerve in her body like it was on fire. For the first time in a very, very long time, she felt like a female, and those words set her very soul aflame, and now it was going to be up to him to quench them. But she, in all her hope, had to be sure. Don't toy with me, human. I couldn't bear it. I'm going to lay my soul bare to you. If you push me any further, if you truly want me, then I will be yours. But this is for life. So I please, I beg of you, do not tease if you do not intend to give, she said, feeling ashamed of how desperate her voice sounded. Somehow the truly beautiful human in her hand sensed her pain, and he reached up and stroked both sides of her face. Um... Which one of us is naked as the day he was born, in a pool of cool water, dangling in the air, telling a Xeno queen that she's beautiful, and that he wants to peep under her tail? If there's a human on this planet any further out of their comfort zone and taking a bigger risk here, please point him out. And if you can find a female more powerful, more beautiful and more exotic, please point her out. So here I am, Zara, naked, afraid and vulnerable. But I'm not afraid you'll hurt me. I'm afraid you'll reject me. Cortez said, giving her a wonderful smile of his again. That was it. That was her consent. He was giving himself to her, and it was not an offer that she was going to refuse. Slowly, Zara reached out and coiled her tail around his waist, gripping him tightly, but not painfully. I want you, my beautiful human. Unless you tell me no right this second, I'm going to have you, she purred softly. Why would I want to tell you no? I'm the one who's offering. I want you, Zara, because I love you. I don't know how or why, nor do I care. All I know is it's real, and it's worth more to me than anything else. I know in my heart that I will love you now till the day I die, and I will want no one else. Why would I want a normal human woman when I can have a glorious Xeno queen? He said in a voice filled with so much passion that it set the facehugger's solo routine off. She lifted him up and kissed him again, relishing the feel of his lips on hers. And then you shall be my king, and I cannot wait a moment longer to make you the king of my hive, nor for us to share in the most natural beauty that the universe provides. I know just the place where no eyes may spy, and no one will interrupt us. Normally I might say hold on tight, but there's no way I'm letting you go, or anything hurt you, ever again. So worry not, my beautiful human, you are in safe hands. Or, should I say, a safe tail, she said, and with that she hoisted him up out of the way of the water. And like the world's most powerful cat... She sprang from her seat onto the rocks of the cliff face next to the waterfall, her claws sinking into the rock like it was made of sponge, and she shot straight upwards, climbing the wall like it was nothing. The whole time the facehugger in her heart was dancing its own heart out, and her loins were burning with anticipation, a fire that she would soon quench. Cortez felt like a stinger from the whole cold spray on his, from the water squall on his skin, but it didn't cool the building, burning passion one bit. He was bobbing behind this glorious creature. She climbed the sheer rock face like she was glued to it. It was a truly incredible sight, 
she bounded up the rock face like it was truly nothing. And when she crested it, suddenly Cortez realised where she'd gone and why she'd gone to all the effort to climb it. There was a lush meadow nestled in the bowl at the top of the rock, at the very top of this hill. It was only about a hundred metres across, but it was truly beautiful. Dead centre, there was a pool that fed the waterfall. Zara moved to a large patch of lush, thick green grass, and then she very gently and tenderly laid him down on it, letting him feel the soft, lush grass under his skin. She turned around and loomed over him on all fours, leaning down to him, casting a huge shadow over him. Without saying a word, she pressed her lips to his and slid that inner mouth of hers back into his mouth again. Only this time, it took his tongue inside of it as well and sucked on it. The flavour of her saliva was like fresh cherries and it lit his senses up like fireworks. He cupped her big face in his hands and revelled in the smoothness and warmth of her hide, relishing its feeling. His heart bouncing in his chest as she flooded his senses with her alien kiss. I love you, Cortez, my beautiful, sweet, gentle human. I will be forever yours as you will be forever mine. So let me ask you this. Do you still wish to peek under my tail? She said, and he couldn't help it. He laughed and grinned up at her, seeing her bare, toothy smile back, which, despite how dangerous it looked, held nothing but warmth and gentle love in it. You bet your sweet alien ass I do. But only on one condition, Cortez said playfully, knowing she wouldn't be able to resist asking him what that was. And true to form, she did just that. What condition? she asked, and he gestured for her to come lower, which she did. He kissed her gently on one side of her moor, and then onto the crest a little. Yeah, let me have a taste of what I find under there. He purred softly into what he figured was rear, and he felt a shiver pass right through him like an electrical current, and he figured he'd figured out right. You, you want to taste under my tail? She gasped in surprise, and he nuzzled her. Don't ask why, Zara. Let's just call it one of the many facets of human love that I want to teach you. But trust me when I say, you'll know soon enough, and soon what, as it happens, okay? So, just trust me, he said softly, and she let out a purr as he stroked her head with both hands now. She nodded, and without saying a word, very slowly lifted herself up and turned on the spot like a giant dog getting ready to lie down, or possibly take a shit. Where she really hoped wasn't the case, because when she moved over him, she was facing down towards his feet, and she lowered her rear end in a squat before lifting her long tail right up her back, letting it hang over her shoulder now. As she did, she, he saw an armoured piece of her hide retract, and he realised there was more there to protect her sensitive parts from, from harm, since she hadn't exactly evolved to wear clothes. Cortez found himself face to face with her most prized treasures, hidden from the world under a rather impressive defence, in the form of a deadly tail. He gasped at the beauty that was presented to him now. In a way, it kind of reminded him of a horse down there. She had jet black, large, swollen lips, and a perfect donut shaped anus tucked directly under the cleft of her tail. Other than her face, it was the most perfect and beautiful thing he'd ever seen. 
Now it was time to reward that trust and to teach her about that thing that she'd been willing to give it all up for. Human love. He reached up and lightly brushed with his fingertips over those leaking, wet, swollen lips. And he, heard Zara, he felt Zara shiver and he heard a soft hiss escape her. His heart began to hammer in his chest as he drew nearer to her, filling his lungs with her sweet, sweet, musky scent. He ran his tongue over those boiling hot, soft outer lips. The texture was kind of like soft leather. And he gently nibbled each of her lips in turn, and Zara let out a hiss that was blatantly pleasure. What is this? Are you really doing this to me? She gasped in a pleasure-soaked voice. Mmm, tasty. Don't ask questions, my sweet Zeno. Just enjoy it, he purred, his hot breath and the vibration of his voice making her quiver. He parted her lips and inside something surprised him. It wasn't beautiful, swollen, pale green flesh that surprised him, or even the two clits that he saw peeking out from under the little fleshy hoods. It was the hole that looked barely tight enough to fit his pinky finger into. Though to his utter delight, when her outer lips made a perfect seal over his mouth, he let his tongue glide over her sweet flesh, with a sort of citrus tang to it. Suddenly he felt himself smile as he realised why Yoshi had named his own Xeno Queen so. Zara shrieked and squealed in pure ecstasy as his tongue glided over the swollen, dripping hot flesh, teasing one of those clits out from under its fleshy hood so that he could lavish his tongue all over it, melting his Xeno Queen's brain in pure pleasure. The thick, viscous fluids were coating his entire mouth now, and thick globs of it were leaking into his mouth so he could feel them running down his chin as well. It was hot, and he could feel it making rivulets on his flesh. Suddenly something caught his attention, and he got a delicious idea. As pleasure, like the which she had never even dared to imagine possible, arced through her, Zara thought she was losing her mind. A human's hot velvet tongue was caressing things not made for a tongue to caress, but it milked more pleasure in each single lick and caress than she'd ever experienced in a lifetime. Each single little flick or swirl made her back arch and her muscles bunch and her mind go blank. So this was human love. She was never giving him back to his kind, not now or ever. This human's was hers to love and she was going to bathe him in honour and enjoy the likes of which he'd never even dared to dream of. This human was her king. He would be the king of her hive and she would be his queen. Suddenly his mouth retracted, letting a cold wash of air rush in over her hot burning flesh. She was about to whirl around and beg him to give, it, give his tongue back to her, not to stop licking her. But it seemed that he had no intention of stopping, just doing something else, utterly delicious and human that she could never have dared possible. He kissed her tail hole, to her sheer delight and shock. It sent starbursts of pressure crackling through her brain. The thoughts that it was a dirty thing were dispelled in an instant when she felt its hot, velvet-soft tongue rudden over her forbidden flesh, tickling her hidden entrance, and it teased its way in. It unleashed heaven, the likes of which she'd never dreamed of, and overwhelmed her in an instant. She couldn't hold on any longer. 
and with a shriek that should have split the sky, Zara's very first orgasm exploded within her. It was so powerful that it threatened to wipe her mind away in swells of pure pleasure that were washing throughout her entire being. But it was that moment, that exact moment, that the purest clarity hit her. It explained everything to her. This was pure human love. It was loving someone so completely that every single inch of them was your joy. It was a love so pure and so passionate that it was like a drug. And now she was truly addicted. And there was nothing she would not do for this beautiful being who had taken the chance on her and who had managed to prove not only his worth to her but the purity of his love. Zara spun around and without a second single hesitation she grabbed Cortez's beautiful head and plunged her inner mouth into his despite where his tongue had just been. She didn't care at all. If it was good enough to taste her and to give her this pleasure, then it was the least she could do to prove to him with her own heart she was going to mate with him, and she was going to prove to him she understood why every single alien on this planet craved human love like it was a drug. She was going to prove that Xeno-love was nothing to be sniffed at either. I want you, my beautiful human. I need you. I'm craving you in a way I cannot understand and I don't want to because I have never felt this way about anyone, not ever. But you, you make my heart sing and I don't want it to ever stop. I will make you my king if you will let me. You will sit at my side and you will build my hive with me and you will want for nothing. I will give you all the love and security you could ever dare to dream possible. All you have to do is say yes. He said, nuzzling his face. Funny, I thought I already had, he said with that riding cocky smile of his planted back on his face. She knelt down over him, coiling her long legs in so she could put her body down on him without putting any of her true weight on him. This was something she'd been truly aching for since she'd first laid eyes upon him. Well, metaphorically speaking, as she didn't exactly have eyes like humans did. She ran her hands down his beautiful body, relishing the silk smoothness of his human skin and the fragile nature of his body. She knew in an instant that she would kill anyone or anything that ever dared to try and harm him. She would protect him, now and always. She found his manhood and she lifted it, taking his wonderful length in her hand. Humans weren't huge in this department, but they didn't need to be. What he had was more than enough to make her happy. Hell, she'd have been happy if he'd had but a single inch. But the seven throbbing inches she held in her hand would make her smile very, very brightly. Especially as Xeno females had such control over their intimate muscles that she could tighten it until she, she could pleasure a pin, let alone this exquisite symbol of human masculinity that she lovingly cradled in her hand now. She rubbed it very gently against her aching, swollen, wanting lips, and it made her gasp. With a slow, deliberate movement, she let it part her lips, and let her lips roll back its protective foreskin, before letting it slowly, slowly slide into her deepest regions, parting her flesh and allowing it to sculpt her inner shape as she gripped him. Zara let out a squeal of pure pleasure and delight, 
as the throbbing hot human flesh rubbed hers in all the right spots. When she heard him moan in pleasure, it lit her heart right up. It was pure heaven for both of them. She placed her hands gently on his shoulders and pressed into him, beginning to move, to make his flesh grind along her own, and making them both cry out in pure ecstasy as pleasure and love coursed throughout them both, of them knitting them together into an indescribable joy and happiness. This was the truth of not only human love or Zeno love, but of love pure and simple. Cortez's hands caressed her long thighs, and somehow he managed to get his fingers in between her lower lips and was caressing one of her clits, sending even more pleasure cascading throughout her. And before they knew it, their love-making had reached a fever pitch, their flesh meeting over and over again, until with a cry of pure ecstasy, they climaxed together, and Zara felt her insides flood with human seed. From this, her human hive would be born, and her children would be born of love, a love that they would share with all things. From that moment onwards, the pair were joined. Zara built their hive just like she said she would, and Cortez, when he wasn't training with the guardians or helping to build the other homes, he would just sit around and watch his love scurrying around all over the large structure, adding layers to it, creating their home, building their furniture. When the core was complete, they moved in together, and true to her word, every single one of them, she lavished love on him that he never dared to hope that he would possess, and he reciprocated in kind, lavishing every drop of love he could create on his beautiful queen, and like a seed watered in pure spring water, it was the most fertile soil, it sprouted and grew. Soon they had sons and daughters running around, courtesy of the kindness and benevolence of Jack and Tick, and of all the volunteers who stepped up and let themselves be implanted. Both Cortez and Zara were so touched by this sacrifice that they made for them, that the pair dedicated themselves to making the world better and safer for all lives, because to them, all lives mattered. So with this in mind, Zara and Cortez came up with the idea of a fighting medical corps, to work alongside Jack and Tick's guardians. They would be healers of the sick and carers for those who needed them, the angels of the battlefield, those who would on with wings fueled with swift justice and mercy fly to the sides of those that needed them the most and would shield them, both beneath those wings. They would make them better, fix them, heal them. They would be a sight every guardian would pray to see and pray they never needed angels on their shoulders. And so they studied, like only Zenos could, swiftly becoming both experts on both Yajuta and humans and Xenobiology. They studied it, analysed it, learned it, made it their creed. Jack and Tick both saw the wisdom in what they were creating and diverted resources to the hive, helping them to build the biggest hospital that Cortez had ever seen, specialising in absolutely everything. Right atop of it was their home. They lived in a hospital, but Cortez had never been happier, because his beloved queen at his side, and every time he saw one of his daughters, or rarer, one of his sons, scurrying around in their white and pink uniforms that he had adopted after he told them the story of candy stripers, on earth bringing joy to the sick and injured, they had filled his heart with pride and joy. This meticulous study paid off intensely, 
Thanks to the machines that Yoshi's Hive had built them, they were able to tear apart both the human, Yuzuta, and even the Xeno genetic codes. And this led to amazing breakthroughs, to be able to treat a whole host of conditions among all of the races. They even extended human lives fourfold, letting them live up to 400 years by repairing the gaps in their DNA that sped up the ageing, essentially by resetting their biological clock. They increased Yuzuta sensitivity to sensation, making their love lives even more stimulating. Plus, they even increased the compatibility between the two races, making it far easy for couples to conceive without medical assistance. Cortez always knew that the reason Zara threw so much of herself into the research that led to the extending of human life was so that she would be able to have longer with him, and he was forever grateful for that gave him the chance to see his beautiful children grow up, to make even more with his beloved wife, and to fill their entire hive with beauty and love, and with joy and compassion. They together made their hive a beacon of hope for all that saw it, a place where the sick would come to find salvation and healing, where they would be tended with love, care and kindness by all, where grace and dignity reigned hand in hand with mercy and love where babies of all races were also born between races were brought into this world and with the assistance of smiling Xeno doctors and nurses placed lovingly into the arms of their mothers and fathers. And over the years, hundreds became thousands and thousands became hundreds of thousands which became millions, all brought into the sunshine of the world filled with love passing through the same hands of those same smiling Xenos. And it was the same when they finally cracked the Xeno to human reproductive combination, finally giving female Xenos and male Xenos the chance to become mothers and fathers, not just among one another, but with any species that they chose, and so began a new age of freedom for the Xenos, freed from the shackles of their parasitic birth. This new freedom was granted to them right here in his own home, under the caring focus of their beloved wife and his beloved children. Cortez was proud of what they had built together, of the life they had lived together, of the family they had raised and of the families that they had created right here in their very hive. So on the day his own mortality finally caught up with him, he wasn't sad, because he had to go. He was sad because of the, he was causing her pain, a pain he could feel radiating throughout his very soul as she cradled him in, his, in her arms as he lay down in his final bed. But for all their medical genius, they couldn't turn back the hands of the clock. And he knew in his heart that even Jack, the one touched by Pyra herself, would have to come face to face with this one day. But still, it surprised him when he saw an unfamiliar face in the crowd watching over him, a face that he'd never met but somehow recognised. With him, with her, was someone else. Someone that he recognised, but didn't know how he knew him. It was Odin, the All-Father. As he stood watching over his wife, she sobbed out her heart and soul, cradling his lifeless body in her arms, and the heart monitor rang out to the final note, signalling the end of his long, happy life. He turned and looked between the pair, and finally settled on the wizened old man standing next to him, with a long, lush beard. This friend of mine here told me that you had many times 
to come here over this years to see the beautiful thing that you have made here, warrior healers. A beautiful thing if I ever saw one. In fact, it's so beautiful I thought that it only best that I come down here to collect you myself, rather than send my Valkyries for you. You see, there's a place for each and every one of you in Valhalla, young, young one. For you are the type of warriors that all should revere, the ones that fight to save, not to destroy or kill. So don't worry, young one. When her time comes, your queen will join you at the table of kings. She will sit at your side and you at hers, as you always have been, and your love will grace our halls as it has always graced these ones, Odin said to him. But before he could go, he turned and saw Jack and Ryan both smiling at him. Well, tell her, don't you worry, Cortez. Zara will ta stand tall and proud once more. We'll make sure of it, Jack said softly into his mind. And with that, a golden chariot appeared in the room, and Odin himself steered him onto it. And just like that, they were gone, like a shooting star flying across the cosmos until they were standing in an endless hall. It was filled with men and women dressed in the regal dress of kings and queens. And as they entered, Odin clapped his hands and the room felt silence. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome King Cortez. He has earned his place at this table, like the very best of you, with a sword of righteousness and a shield of love. Please take him in, warm his heart, and he waits for his queen to join us. Odin yelled, and the room erupted into cheers. Back on his home world, so touched by the passing of so much of the beloved King Cortez, Achak's children stepped forward and decided to honour him in the way that they knew best. They made a statue that stands to this very day outside the hive that he loved with his whole heart. It depicted Zara standing behind him, embracing him and shielding him while he cradled a newborn baby Ajuta fresh into the world, and he was protecting it. It showed the whole world what Cortez stood for, using strength to protect those that need it most, mercy and love, hand in hand, just like strength and dignity, just like Cortez and Zara, two principles standing together forever, always. Ah, so that was chapter four, ladies and gentlemen. As always with the Chronicles of Clan Mason, there are no questions to answer. Hopefully they've all been answered. So all I'll say is, I hope to see you all next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.